Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hi, everyone. Good morning. Happy Tuesday. Also, happy day 72 of the program. Welcome to The Morning Live. Dr. Paul is here. Good morning, Dr. Paul. Good morning, Gina. Welcome back. How are you? How have you been? Good. I think uh, with four kids, you're just trying to hunker down and survive without getting too much of a upper respiratory tract infection. But here we are. We're safe. We're good. Seriously, tis the season. I mean, let's. Uh, that was actually my last question. Um, uh, like a moon, a moon boosters. But you know, everyone in the program is working yeah. so hard not only to lose weight but be healthy. Let's talk about that right off the top. Like, what's sure. so everybody is sick. Everyone's talking about how they're sick. They're following the sickness yeah. protocol. They have to take time off. Be it COVID, the flu, respiratory, whatnot. Kids. Oh my goodness. Um, what are what are your top like immune boosters? Like, obviously, people are working to be as healthy as possible. So let's give them that. But on top of that what can we take what can we do what's left on the shelves that we can take well i'm gonna say first of all um the you know one of the biggest things that you already talk about is cutting out refined sugars so mm. uh, sugar always messes around with your immune system doesn't make it as um reactive and responsive yeah uh, and my number two thing is sleep so the, especially the first part of the night so this is a, a little bit of a talk to all the night owls out there Okay. So if you go to sleep after 12 or even later, you're going to be missing that key kind of first defense of your immune system called the innate immune system. And that's the most active earlier part in the night. So try to get to bed a little earlier than you normally would. So that would be number two. And number three, actually, my favorite, one of my favorites is mushrooms. So I, I'm a big fan of medicinal mushrooms. We're not talking it's not about the same mushrooms. Yeah, I was just gonna say it's not that. It's not microdosing. All these, I know that's what everyone's thinking about because it's out there. That's a new it, thing now, is those psychedelic mushrooms is. to treat mental health and stuff. Yeah, okay. But you know, I, I'm reminded when it comes to psychedelics, and it's like it's super intriguing. There's lots of interest around it. it but it was kind of like CBD maybe five, seven years ago, and everyone's yeah. like, oh my gosh, let's invest in the latest cannabis sativa company and now cbd has kind of come back down to earth of being like yeah it's helpful for certain things but it's not that panacea for everyone yes. so right. i'm talking about uh cordycepsis i'm talking about shiitake i'm talking about reishi i'm talking about um those types of mushrooms that are medicinal that have been studied and used for thousands of years are and those the, in the adaptogen um yeah, adaptogen exactly. arena the but they're more specific for the immune system, Gina. So okay. they're very specific to kind of helping support your body's own first line of defense. Okay. Uh, so don't be afraid to get into some of those mushrooms that are helpful. So I think it's adaptogenic as okay. well as it is going to be immune supportive. Uh, okay. And so I, I like using that. Immune boosting is kind of a bit of a misnomer. It's like it helps support your immune system to be okay. reactive to things. Okay. But I will say if you have kids like me, they're young, they're bringing home things from daycare, you're, you're going to get sick. And yeah. it's a matter of like, you don't get it worse, you don't get it to be uh, turning into like a month long thing. Uh, but our immune system kind of needs to be worked out once in a while. And that's actually a normal thing. And I think that's why we're seeing a lot of this, these big spikes is because we've kind of 
artificially changed that in the last couple of years. And now, you know, these, these particular viruses are coming back with a vengeance because they've been kind of suppressed through artificial means. So we just got to ride the wave and then use the things I just talked about. So since we're on the topic, because so many people feel like they get set back um, to me, like, you know, sickness is like, you know, you're getting your body's attention. It's taking action. It's working extra hard. It's you yep. know, going to use that natural detox process, try to get that virus, that thing out of your system. Correct. It's going to lead to, you know, getting that scale to move. But at the same time, can you just talk why the body is not really focused on fat loss while it's sick and just kind of like, can we normalize that? Because so many people, when they're sick, first of all, they expect to lose weight when they when they're sick. Normally, your weight will go up, especially if you have a you know healthier metabolism because your body's retaining water. It's trying to help you get better. But you know, people will be like, you know, my scale isn't moving, and then I find out they've been sick and on antibiotics or whatever. Can we just mm. speak to the reality of that a little bit? Well, it depends on the person. So, like for example, you know, I have some patients that they're going to get sick, especially if it's the flu. So it depends on what you're sick with. If it's a cold, you might be going to kind of like comfort foods and things like that, which, you know, you kind of get off plan a little bit. So there could be a gain in weight there. Yeah. That's why I started with a point that I just mentioned, really kind of try to resist the, uh, the, the need for, okay, I need something like sweet and comfort mm -hmm. just to kind of get myself feeling good. Cause I already have this additional stressor. I actually look at when you are sick as an opportunity for your body, just to cleanse things out of your body, out of you, which is exactly what you just said. Yes. So I actually would want my patients to start losing weight when they have a little bit of a virus, when they have a flu, because they are now even more focused on their diet, on their lifestyle, on the things yeah. that are important. Yeah. If they're gaining weight, it happens because of the, some of the metabolic changes that, that occur. But there isn't anything that I know of, Gina, that you will automatically gain weight if you get a cold. I think yeah. that has to do with some of the lifestyle changes that unfortunately we kind of go to that make us yeah. feel good. Um, but, you know, think about... Um, you kind of want to almost follow your body a little bit too. Most of the time people will um, experience a decrease in appetite because that's the normal immune response. Yes. The body doesn't want to be thinking about eating big, rich meals. Yeah. The body wants to be thinking about cleansing it with the immune system. So a lot of, uh, you know, kind of old school naturopathic thinking is, you know, be more cognizant of not overeating when you're sick and allow the immune system to do its job better. Yeah. Yeah. Follow the sickness protocol. And if your weight is up, it's not, it's not real weight gain. And chances are it's just your body retaining water because you're not drinking enough water. And if you're craving carbs and sugar, it's probably because you need more water. So the, you know, focus on yourself, get healthy. And then when you're feeling back at it, your appetite is back, then you can kind of get back on the program. And right. again, like Dr. Paul says, it's, it's the same detox process. The body's just trying to get you healthy and get whatever out, out. Okay. So um, I want to talk about inflammation. This was like, we, you know, we always do a call. What do people <laughs> want to talk about? I want to go through those four reasons why your weight might be slower to move. And of course, inflammation is tall. What is it? How do you know you have it? Can you get tested for it? What can you do about it? Let's talk about it. Yeah, I feel like we've talked about this uh, in the previous two lives and we've kind of punted the conversation to now. So let's yes. actually have it. Yeah. Uh, inflammation is this kind of broad topic and, and it represents a process that occurs in the body. And there's many subtypes of inflammation, Gina. So it's not just uh, my joints hurt, which is mm -hmm. one possibility that there's inflammation. Even within that kind of like degenerative process, you could have osteoarthritis, which is not really inflammatory. So if you have those joints wear and tear, you've had an injury and now you feel like your, your knees are aching when the weather changes, that may be kind of a, a degenerative osteoarthritis. And that isn't the same type of inflammation like rheumatoid arthritis, which is okay. an autoimmune process. Right. So when we talk about inflammation, I really am referring to a process that's happening in the body that if you don't know why it's happening, then we should probably look at why. 
and we have to do some testing. So you can do some blood work to see, do you have inflammation that's occurring? There are certain markers that I look at in, uh, in blood work. Your family doctor should also look at some of these markers and you're going to have to share with them that I have some symptoms, you know, of inflammation. And those would be things as follows. First of all, when I wake up in the morning, my joints are just super stiff and achy. That's one of the, uh, one of the key kind of cardinal signs because overnight you're going to have some fluid accumulation. You're going to have, uh, you're not going to have the same blood flow. You're not going to have the same exchange of fluids. Okay. That's one sign. Another sign might be, um, that you feel like there's something in your body that is causing kind of like a fuzziness. You might have brain fog. You might feel kind of just generally swollen and tired. Uh, these are very vague symptoms. And unfortunately that's kind of uh, the, what we're left with. There isn't an obvious like, oh, you know what? My uh, left toe is red mm -hmm. and that's a sign of inflammation. So yeah. it's kind of these like vague symptoms. So get some testing done if you suspect that. And then we or have to can I also add, if you're, if you're doing all the things in our program and, you know, and trying to be as healthy as possible and you're not, you're not losing weight, you're not seeing any non-scale yes, victories, exactly. you're not feeling any better. That could be a sign of, of inflammation as well. Yeah, that's a great point. I always, everybody that comes and see me, that's a part of the program or has done in the past. I always say, what's the experience of the program? And the second question is, what are your non-scale victories? And yeah. if they say, I have lost no weight and I have no non-scale victories. That's a big red flag for me to say yeah. that there's an obstacle somewhere. And then we start okay. looking at inflammation. Okay. However, if you feel like the weight, the scale hasn't moved, but you're like, I'm sleeping better. My energy's better. I'm, I have less kind of achiness. That's a sign that, you know, the diet is making a big difference in terms of these metabolic processes, but there might be another weight specific obstacle, which we'll mm. talk about, I'm sure. Okay. But I think we have to kind of differentiate the two. There's also, you know, gut related inflammation. So things like food sensitivities, things like um, intestinal permeability, which is something that everyone says I have leaky gut, but you know, there is specific hallmarks of that where, you know, you're sensitive to so many different things. You might, um, things like fatty liver have been associated with the gut, uh, in intestinal permeability. Uh, you're going to might have things like inflammation, like uh, Crohn's colitis, that's different than IBS. IBS is kind of like an anxiety of the gut and a, a, a microbiome imbalance. Okay. That's different than things like that actually like, um, like inflammatory, like something like celiac or colitis. So those would be things I'd be looking at from an allergic perspective. Uh, and then there also is neurological inflammation. So if you have numbness and tingling, if you have things like brain fog, like I mentioned, if you're feeling like your memory, you're fuzzy and these, there isn't an obvious other reason why this is the case. You know, these would be the things I'd be looking at, but those are more specific things. Generally, we're talking about metabolic inflammation and the diet, Gina, does a great job at generally addressing that. So if you still feel like you're bumping up against some of the things we just talked about, you should probably get assessed and tested. Okay. And that would be like a blood test. And is that where people are talking about, let's people ask about C-reactive protein in blood. That would be yeah. a marker. That's a great one. Uh, there's also another one called ESR. Uh, also, your general white blood cells will tell us about the kind of inflammatory processes in the body. Uh, I use a couple other markers that are a little bit more specific based on the presentation. But CRP, I would say, is like the gold standard of, you know, it's a very general marker of inflammation. It's not going to tell us where it's coming from, but it's just going to say, you know what, there is some inflammation happening okay. and we should probably do a little bit more exploration. And there's lots of people that uh, that have been part of the program that I've said, you know what, you need to go see a rheumatologist because okay. we need to figure this out because your markers are really high and there isn't an obvious reason. Okay. And so that, that is the way that the healthcare system usually works as you, you work with somebody that's going to figure out the first step. And then there might be a second step to get a further assessment. 
And unfortunately, Gina, sometimes our family doctors and, and primary care providers, they don't want to do some of these additional tests. And so there's a little bit of this tug of war between what you want to get done and then what they're willing to do. And yeah. I find that's a bit of a frustration point that at least I just want to throw out there that it you know, can be a little bit of an obstacle. And so well, there's ways around it. This is why I love having you on because a lot of people don't have access. They, they have doctors. They don't have time to talk to their doctors in the way that we have time to talk to you. And I think that's why I love our guests because it gives access to information that people might not necessarily have to hear it straight up, to hear what their options are. So we can inform people on what it is and they, they can go to their doctor and say, listen, this is what I've been doing for like three months almost now, you know, eating healthy, drinking my water, managing my sleep, drinking my stress, taking these basic supplements and I'm still not, or I'm still feeling this or right. that, you know what I mean? Then they can at least go and be you know, I think informed and then ask for the things they need to ask for. So, so, so with, with, with inflammation, you know, it's, it's also the one thing I love talking about. It's not just your body and to your point, it affects your brain and how would it, is there anything you can do besides all the amazing things that we talked about um, on the program and plan? Is there, is there other supplements you can take? Is there medication someone would be put on? Like what would the treatment be yeah. above and beyond what people are doing on the program? Yeah, that's an amazing question. And, um, you know, part of that is a little bit personalized because there's a lot of supplements we talk about, Gina. But what I've realized in my practice over the last 11 years seeing patients is that, you know, turmeric's a great kind of like starting go-to entry anti-inflammatory herb, but it yeah. really works only for people with osteoarthritis. Mm. Uh, and then there might be a type of inflammation that has more to do with your stickiness to your blood. And so there's a different type of uh, anti-inflammatory that might be helpful for that. Some people are on medications that they can't take curcumin, like for example, blood thinners, which is a common medication that people might be on. Turmeric has a contraindication with that. So then we look at something like frankincense or boswellia, which is not part of your list, but these are the types of thought processes that we look at when we work with patients, you know, one-on-one -on -one to identify what is some of the things Additionally, we can do omega-3s, great one. Most of the omega-3s that we're recommending in the program, they're unfortunately not going to be high enough to lower inflammation. They're great for just general good oh. fats, you know, maybe might modify some of your cardiovascular risk. But the reality is that there's a big difference between that kind of maintenance dose and a very high dose. And so I might actually quadruple the dose in some patients and might use mm -hmm. a very specific one. Um, and then... You know, there's some other particular ones uh, in terms of medications that people might be using for kind of keeping things in check. But the unfortunate reality, and this is a really important point that I want to just really end off with inflammation. We think of inflammation as something we need to quench, get rid of, uh, you know, eliminate. Yes. Partly because we're in kind of like an Advil Tylenol society where it's like, I have a headache and let's just take a, a, an Advil. Yes. But the reality is, is that you are actually blocking a process that the body's trying to actually not just stop inflammation, it's trying to actually resolve it and kind of coming over the other side of the mountain to actually kind of like you talk about detoxification. Yeah. You kind of need to like mount a response, heal the tissue, and then you need to resolve it. But the problem is, is if you keep popping Advils, you're going to be never getting over that peak. You're always going to be in the point of trying to block it. And unfortunately, that's short-term benefit for long-term loss. So if you feel like you are having to pop Advils and Tylenol all the time. There's side effects to that. 
and you should talk to your naturopathic doctor or your family doctor about other options that are not going to be long-term detrimental because it's kind of one step forward and maybe one or two back, Gina. So I just want to say resolve the inflammation. That's where omega-3s and some of these other herbs I just talked about are really, really valuable. Along with all the things people are doing on program and plan, which is really exciting. People are actually noticing decreases in inflammation. How long, let's say someone is doing all the things, you know, goes and does all the other things. How, how long until, I mean, I know it's individual and this would be generalizing, but how long should someone expect to work towards decreasing the implement, getting over that hump? That's a, I think that's a fair question because I, I, I'm a strong believer. I'm setting expectations on timelines in the same way that you and your group, you kind of have like a three month program. And then you kind of know at certain benchmarks, you should be kind of getting certain results. Yeah. So if you're taking something like turmeric, uh, you are expecting it to have an anti-inflammatory effect. If it's not working within six weeks, then either the, the product's wrong. The, the act, so that means like maybe some other herb would be helpful or, or inflammation is not your problem. The dose is problematic or actually the way that that particular ingredient gets into your body is problematic, aka absorption. So those are the three factors that always need to be considered. And so unfortunately, that's sometimes hard to navigate. And that's what I do with my, I do with my patients. I actually look at, we audit all their supplements and be like, okay, what's the effective dose? I, I, I do this all the time because people are wondering, I'm spending money on this. I'm taking time. What you're recommending is great for the majority of people. But if you continue to have struggles with certain things and you're not getting the results, like I said, and within six weeks, then maybe that needs to be tweaked. Okay. And so that's a good sign, Gina, saying that, okay, you know what? I might need to level up here. Okay. Love that. Let's go into food sensitivities, which also feeds into inflammation, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So let's talk about that. Because I love you, Gina. you're like, you're like remembering all the things I've said in the past conversations. <laughs> Jeez, you're going to replace me very soon. All of it, man. I'm paying attention. I'm listening. <laughs> I'm right here. Gina's acing the test, guys, everyone. <laughs> uh, so yes, I'm glad you brought this up because this is a special type of inflammation that can affect your metabolism. Okay. So I had, I'll give you an example. I had a patient yesterday. Um, actually had a couple of them, but one of them that I'm thinking of was actually a young girl. She was 10 years old and she had really, really bad eczema to the point that it was cracking. She was putting on a lot of creams. And so we assessed her food allergies because one of the things that you look at inflammation come out through the skin. So you might be experiencing a rash. Maybe you actually did the program and you had a rash early on because you had a detox reaction, right? Yeah. The same thing happens with some of these more chronic things. So if you have something like eczema, that is an inflammation that's coming out through the skin and it's allergic and foods play a big role in making this type of inflammation happen. So we identify the food sensitivities for this little girl. We avoided and 90% of it got better. We did a blood test and we figured out what that was. Now, a lot of people would be like, hold on, Dr. Paul, what's food that I'm eating have to do with my skin? I'm not rubbing it on my skin Yeah. because your immune system goes through your whole body. Mm-hmm. It goes through your bloodstream and it interacts with tissues in your brain, in your heart, in your muscles. Yes, in your gut, of course, but also in faraway places. So you could be getting fatigued. You could be getting brain fog. You could be getting joint pain all because a particular food you might be eating, even one that you think is healthy. Yes. So this is the next step is like, there are certain types of foods that generally on the program, Gina, that you've telling people to avoid the process stuff. That's like the worst case scenario. That's a big part of it. So once you've yeah. done that, but you still are experiencing some of these more skin inflammatory issues or any inflammation in general, maybe there's a particular food like gluten or dairy, or even something, dare I say, eggs 
which is yeah. a common one for a lot of people. Yeah. Um, we have to look at some of those options as kind of the tier B things after we've done everything else. And then you personalize. And that's the essence of the plan is you kind of do the core things and then look at what other triggers could there be. And that inflammation could be limiting your ability to focus on weight loss. Yeah. Right. Okay. So, so we obviously tell people to keep a journal, you know, in terms of how they're feeling, the foods that they're eating, um, not weighing, counting, measuring, anything like that, but their body's reaction to them, what's happening on the scale, what's not happening on the scale. How would someone know what would be the signs of something that they're eating was bothering? Because I think people think food sensitivities, I'm going to break out in hives immediately. I'm going to yeah. be sick to my stomach. I'm going to have diarrhea where it could be much, can it be much more accumulative than that? Like it's, it's having an overall impact, but they're not really noticing in the moment when they, like when I have corn, for example, so I have an allergy to corn. I can eat it three days later, my hands are little blisters and I'm, I'm breaking out right. every time, three days later. So right. I know that's obviously causing my body to react. So I wouldn't necessarily, and for years, I didn't associate it to corn because it didn't happen immediately. So what would some of the signs be that yeah. someone would have food sensitivities? And can you just take a probiotic, prebiotic, digestive bitters? Like, no, what? <laughs> Unfortunately, you can. Um, so you touched on a lot of great points there. Let me try to get through each okay. one. Okay. <laughs> So first of all, I think it's important that we call things by the right name. So for example, a lot of times people associate an intolerance, which is like an immediate effect, like lactose intolerance. So okay. like I drink a latte and I'm in the bathroom 10 minutes later, mm. it's rushing out. That's, I can't digest it. Then there's the allergy, which you just mentioned. And allergy usually is defined as something that is pretty immediate. Like I eat some peanut butter, my tongue swells up yeah. or I break out in hives. That is a, a very acute type of inflammation through what's called an IgG, IgE immune system. Okay. I don't have to remember that, but that's what an allergist is testing you. So if a lot of people are thinking, okay, you know, Dr. Paul and Gina, I went to go to an allergist and they said, I didn't have any food sensitivities. Mm -hmm. They're testing you by putting all the things, the little, uh, little skin pricks into your arm. First of all, we don't eat food through our skin. Second yeah. of all, that's testing for an IgE immune system because they're looking within a couple of minutes, is there any redness? What you talked about, Gina, is a, a sensitivity. So that's the third thing. So we have intolerance, allergy, and sensitivity. Sensitivity comes on after a couple hours, maybe a couple days, and it can also be cumulative. So maybe in the past, you can get away with a little bit, like you have a tiny piece of birthday cake and you're okay. But then the time that you, that kind of like, you know, you went to a wedding and you had uh, a bun for dinner and then you had the cake at the end and then you woke up and you're like, my joints are really, really tight the next yeah. morning. Yeah. That is an IgG delayed onset immune system reaction. And that is a sensitivity. And that is what we're talking about primarily with these foods. Okay. And finally, I'll say a lot of people get frustrated because they're like, yeah, you know what? I, I don't really notice a difference, but you don't, will not notice a difference unless you eliminate all the main foods that are sensitive. So you can't just say, I just cut out dairy for a couple of days and then I checked it out. You right. might have, the immune system has a memory for at least three weeks, if not three months of some of these things. So you have to do it a lot longer and you have to do it within the context of something like Gina's program to be able to really see, is my immune system reacting to this? And then you reintroduce it back to see if you have um, a reaction. And this is basically what I help my patients do, Gina, is I help them navigate. If you're confused about all this, it is confusing and I guarantee yeah. that. So <laughs> this is where getting some professional help might be valuable for you because you could either do a blood test or you can do an elimination reintroduction diet and there's pros and cons to each. 
Yeah, because people are like, oh, I, I tried cutting out gluten yeah. for a couple of days. I tried dairy. It didn't make a difference. Well, okay, right. it's going to take a little bit longer than that. Okay. So, um, again, how long would it take to address something like a food sensitivity? How long should you stop? Yeah, again, I'm going to use the same kind of like four to six weeks barometer okay. and right. to give yourself a really good shot. And sometimes there's multiple food sensitivities. So, uh, it might be something that's obvious, like, you know, I don't feel good after bread, but then it might also be almonds, which are like a big part of everything. And, and if you start noticing the trend and, you know, I've been doing this for so long that I, I, I could actually see the, the blood reports, you kind of start seeing a pattern. The, the foods that keep coming back are the ones that are most highly processed. Yeah. So the dairy products, the, the wheat contained products, the soy contained products, the now even things like almonds and peas. Why? Because... They're in every single alt food out there. Look at the Beyond Beef or Beyond Meat um, labels. Look at any of these kind of like dairy alternative labels. They're yeah. full of this, you know, soy isolate, protein isolate. Because the more you industrialize and change that particular protein molecule, yeah. you are going to make it more noxious to the immune system. The immune system is going to say, I don't like it. So that's why I love whole foods. I love that. You just drill that in like, try to eat as least possible whole foods. Yes. Don't eat all these Franken foods, which are so supposed to be healthier for you because it's going to continue to pr propagate this inflammation. Yes. But black beans are, are what you get from black beans is totally different than what you would get from a, you know, black bean processed burger patty or exactly. even black bean pasta. in this plastic or, and compressed and sits on the shelf for three months, you know, like, yeah. You know, the same, the same issue is like, you don't want to replace one for another. And that's unfortunately what we're trying to do is people are trying to be more conscious. It's like, no, eat the, the real thing. Okay. So, so let me ask you this. Is food sensitivity the food or is it the state of your digestive system in your gut? Oh, Which you got the good zingers today, Gina. I love <laughs> it. Oh, I'm prepared, man. I came for this conversation. I got no. I know. I love it. Uh, you know, it's kind of like the question of nature and nurture. You know, mm -hmm. it's like what is, and, and I'm going to say it's a little bit of both. And so I'll, I'll, I'll use this example. Um, you know, when you are trying to repair any kind of cut in your body, if you continue to have that irritation of the cut, you're not going to be able to heal. But the body also needs like the basic cofactors to heal the cut. Right. So it's kind of like you need both. So you need to eliminate the tack that's a, that's causing the cut, and you also need to make sure that you're going to have proper uh, proper kind of like building blocks. And what I mean by building blocks in the case of your example is, you know, that's where things like probiotics and prebiotics come in because your microbiome, Gina, is really instrumental at regulating the permeability of the gut. So normally your gut is one cell thick; it's kind of like this. But as you get more and more food inflammation happening, now these these gut cells become swollen, they become inflamed. And look now, now you have a bigger gap and now more food proteins are being seen by the immune system. Now you may actually not be sensitive to those things, but they actually might be causing a hyperreactivity to a number of things that maybe are not true sensitivity. So uh, alcohol is a big issue with this. Mm. Uh, eating a lot of processed foods, a big issue with this. Um, a lot of times when people say is like, okay, hold on, you know, like, Gina drinks wine and Dr. Paul will have a glass of wine. Why can't I have a glass of wine, you know? And what I always say is that if you're trying to repair something, you need to be diligent with doing that. But if you're already repaired, maintenance is way easier mm. than trying to heal something. So yeah. a lot of people want to have their cake and eat it too and say, well, I want to do all the things that I did before, but I also want to get myself out of this metabolic funk that I'm in and I'm unhealthy. 
No, yeah. you can't have it both ways. You'll yeah. get there, but to get there, I need to be hardcore and then I can do the maintenance stuff. Don't try to do the maintenance when you're actually trying to do the active healing. So that's a really important differentiation to make here. I want to get into the the gut the gut it gut itself, but something you said because a, a few members are talking about metabolism. So obviously, this inflammation affects metabolism, and so people will say, you know, how do I increase my metabolism? So you know, obviously, eating healthy, getting better sleep, you know, managing your stress, you know, working out, exercising, building muscle, all of that. But besides that, what 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 would you say? Like, and 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 how much of an issue? Because we're talking weight loss here. Yeah. So so many people have messed with their metabolism, starving, depriving, going long periods of time without yeah. eating, not helping the body manage stress, not getting sleep, all of that. How, how, well, how big of an issue would you say metabolism is with people and what the frig can we do about it outside of all the things they're doing on program and plan? Yeah. And, and I think we're kind of getting to, to really the crux of what a lot of people that, especially that haven't seen the weight loss that they want. This is the big question for them. And I, I, all of all the things we're going to talk about today influence metabolism in one way or another. So for yeah. example, what we already discussed is food sensitivities. They're going to create this inflammatory process in the body that you may not even notice it. It's like a silent inflammation, but your cells on a real kind of cellular level, they're not focused again on removing weight and properly burning the fuels yeah. and fat that's present. They're yeah. going to be focused on just trying to deal with this kind of like low grade inflammation. So that yeah. is going to be an influence of inflammation on metabolism. Yeah. We can just look, you talked about the immune system. When you are sick, what do you feel? You feel tired. You feel like you're in a malaise. You might kind of feel um, not motivated to do things. And that's normal. The body turns the metabolism down because of why? inflammation, yeah. AKA trying to fight off this virus. Yeah. The same thing happens, but now it's not a viral issue. Now it's a toxicity buildup. Now it's a hormone. And this is a huge one. I'm going to say hormones are signaling molecules that influence your metabolism. Yeah. And so when your hormones are off and the, you know, there's going to be a number of different things, you know, thyroid is an obvious one, but usually people will get your thyroid assessed. Your yeah. doctor can run a couple of tests. That's obvious. I, I'm going to say, I've seen on one hand, people that have come to see me after all these years that, you know, we find a thyroid problem because that's easy to find. But what I see almost always is I either am in a current state of high stress or I was in a, in a past state of really high stress. Mm -hmm. And when your body's in high stress, the hormonal signal that you're giving it, no matter what, if you're following plan, if you're hydrating, if you are exercising, a lot of people try to overexercise at this time because they feel like they're trying to compensate. Yeah. You do all those things, Gina. Yeah. But the signal that the hormones are trying to give you is we are under kind of assault. So I'm just going to put the brakes on, on the uh, metabolism. So cortisol plays a role. Your thyroid might be fine, your TSH, which is tested on blood. But at the cellular level, that whole receptor process is turned down because we want to, we want to kind of conserve for a rainy day because we're being assaulted. So that is a huge area. Then you have reproductive hormones. As soon as women hit menopause, your hormones change, your metabolism yeah. changes. That's why, you know, most cases, grandmothers look different than moms is that mm -hmm. there's hormone changes that occur. So I think a lot of times people kind of 
um, come with some of these background things, Gina, that are changing their metabolism. And so then to answer your question, what do we do about changing metabolism? Well, we have to figure out what is your issue that's blocking your metabolism Mm. sensitivities? Is it actual straight up inflammation? Is it my gut uh, microbiome is imbalanced? That's a common one that I see. Or is it all the things I just talked about hormones? So that influences your metabolism, Gina. So I just want to put this in perspective for people. So when I say, you know, the pro the program addresses why your body's feeling you need to store fat the first few weeks. The middle part is about helping the body focus on fat loss when it has all these other things to do. This is what I'm talking about, all these other things that it needs to do. Mm-hmm. So why it's so important to work hand in hand with your doctor along the way, especially if you have health issues or for reason, these four reasons why your weight might be slower to move. And then the last part of the program is really in, you know, so you've got your body's attention, your weight is starting to drop, it's starting to make change. How do you support the body in its needs? Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Okay, so we covered inflammation. We covered food sensitivities. I do want to talk about your gut issues and then end it off with hormone health. So let's kind of break that down. Let's talk about the gut. Now, gut dysbiosis, is that the same as IBS? Is it the same as Crohn's? Is it the same as SIBO? Like, were we talking about all the same things or is it one specific thing? And what do we do about it? Can we take a probiotic, prebiotic? There's, you know, another loaded question. Yeah, well, uh, there are lots of conditions that affect the gut. Some of them have uh, have dysbiosis as one of their contributing factors. Dysbiosis is just a way of saying your normal healthy balance of your good and bad bacteria is off. Okay. It's unbalanced. Okay. Um, the perfect example of this, and everyone, uh, especially women, have experienced this. If you've taken an antibiotic in the past and then had a yeast infection after, yeah. that is a perfect example of your antibiotic killed some of the good bacteria and the yeast, which the antibiotic does not kill, it's left. So it's like, perfect. I have an opportunity to jump in and, and take more kind of real estate in your, in your, you know, in your vagina, on your skin, you know, anywhere. So the same concept happens in different parts of the digestive system. So for example, you mentioned SIBO, which is small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. That is an example of dysbiosis and imbalance in the small intestine. You could have that in the large intestine as well. That's not called SIBO. And there are certain symptoms that come along with dysbiosis. So as I mentioned, I get frequent yeast infections is one of the signs. Um, after I have all these food sensitivities and I've tried to eliminate them and I still feel like I, feel, I have a tremendous gut issues. Yeah. Uh, you have a lot of changes in your stools. 
this does look a lot like IBS and IBS, the research shows has a big dysbiosis component. It's not okay. the only one because you could actually have an anxiety mediated IBS. So there is a mental emotional component as well. Okay. Almost everyone will say stress will make their IBS better. Yeah. IBS is just like an irritability of the nerves and the muscles in your intestines that are causing changes in your stools. It could be okay. loose stools, could be constipation. And there's a number of factors that contribute to that. Now, finally, you mentioned something like Crohn's, colitis. Those are autoimmune inflammatory conditions of the gut where there's actually portions of the gut that are being actively damaged by inflammation. This is usually these people are under the care of a rheumatologist or a gastroenterologist because it's an autoimmune condition and you may need stronger medications to keep that in check. These are more severe symptoms. You know, yeah. you might be having things like blood in the stool. So if you're wondering, if you're on the fence, I don't know what it is and you just feel generally off and yucky, you might have like a malaise, brain fog, you might have cramping and pain in your intestines. Most likely that is an IBS slash dysbiosis. If you have some more severe symptoms, like severe pain, you've had to be hospitalized, you usually know that that's like Crohn's and colitis and that's an inflammatory autoimmune issue. Okay, what do, what do we, can we take a probiotic, prebiotic, digestive bitters? Do we need to do something more? Is this where we eat more fiber? Like what, how do you, yeah. what do you do with this? So with dysbiosis, Gina, this is one of these unique conditions that actually fiber will make these people feel worse. Mm -hmm. And that's because you're actually giving fertilizer to a bacteria situation that's imbalanced. Right. That's not going to be helpful. So usually those are the people that they're like, oh, Gina's asked me to eat all these like high fiber foods and I'm feeling my gut's way worse. I feel better when I eat like rice and chicken and salad, but not these kind of like more fibrous things. Um, my, the prebiotic that I tried makes me feel way worse. So if you've trying a prebiotic and you have no change in symptoms or you feel better, then the chances are you don't have IBS and the chances are that you don't have dysbiosis. So that's a quick way of kind of differentiating. Yeah. Uh, if you feel like you know, you've taken a probiotic and you feel better, you know, you might have kind of an IBS, but you probably don't have dysbiosis because sometimes people with, with a big dysbiosis, they take probiotics and they feel worse. Why? Yes. Because you're taking bacteria and you're putting more in there. Yes. Fueling the bad bacteria. So if you are one of those people that any of the symptoms that I just resonate, that I just told you resonate with you or, or make sense for you, you actually need to kind of kill off the bad bacteria and you need to put the good ones back in, but you can't start with putting the good ones back in. And that's why a simple prebiotic probiotic won't work for you. Even though something like digestive bitters may be helpful, Gina, uh, you know, apple cider vinegar may be helpful for you because that is different than probiotics. So those are totally fine. Definitely try all of them, see what works. And based on your response to it actually might help guide you where you need to take your next step. So most people can take the three things. Uh, they can take collagen uh, and they're totally fine. And then uh, there are the exceptions that if you react poorly, then you're going to be uh, looking at some of these other dysbiosis things. Yeah, I like when you said before, like sometimes uh, probiotic, it, you know, is great because it fertilizes your nice lawn. But if you have a lot of weeds, adding food to that can just end up creating more weeds, yep. more, more, more weeds. Okay. So can I, can I just clarify that the fix to your being, you know, your belly getting upset when you eat vegetables and, and high fiber foods is, is to not take them out and is, is to not like, you just don't eat them anymore. You need to fix what is happening so you are able to eat those because a lot of people are like, oh, you know, all these, all these vegetables are really causing my stomach to be upset. So if the, the fix isn't don't eat them, 
the fix well necessarily in the moment, but the fix is to that you got a, another issue going yeah. on. Yeah, so I, that's a good question because I do hear that quite a bit. Um, and it's worth just making sure people are very clear on this. First of all, yes. whenever you change your diet, especially people that have been eating a pretty poor diet for a while, um, increasing high fiber foods like some of these different fruits and vegetables, they are going to cause more symptoms. Now, for most people, this is a temporary change because you're just, you know, it's kind of like the first time you get fertilizer, you know, the grass and weeds are going to grow, but there is ideally give your body a little bit of a chance to kind of rebalance itself. So, you know, start the program, do it for six weeks. If you're like, wow, I'm still feeling way worse than I thought my guts off. Then you can look at something like the FODMAPS diet which most people have heard about now, even their doctors are now talking about FODMAPS. Yeah, and yeah. FODMAPS is a diet that was developed at a university specifically to eliminate certain fermentable sugars. That's the what FODMAPS stand for. It's the latest yeah. saccharides. And sometimes this is helpful and maybe you can kind of like follow plan, but then you also have to look at the FODMAPS list and maybe modify based on that. Yeah. So you can still follow plan by, by using the FODMAPS. And if you feel better based on that, then, you know, that's a good sign that again, you're going, you have some sort of dysbiosis, like you said, Gina, and then maybe after the program, or maybe during the program, if you can talk to your naturopathic doctor to see, okay, you know what, I actually need to like starting to recultivate my gut and I need to reset my microbiome. And that is where you need that additional help. If you feel like after the first month, you've tried the prebiotic, you've tried the uh, increase in, in the high fiber foods, and I'm still not getting better. That's when you want to seek some additional support. I love you said that because sometimes I'm like, listen, if you've got this thing going on, sometimes it's best just to, to follow that and to fix that and then come back and revisit the whole weight loss part of things. But it, if you can, you do have options. If you want to continue to focus on fat loss or, you know, reap all the non-scale victories that are happening while just, you know, just managing your stress and your sleep and your water, all the things you do on program and plan is you can cross-reference those foods. It's like, if you have food sensitivity, exactly. you can still do the program, but take the gluten out, take the dairy out, take the things out that are bothering you and look for alternatives for that. Okay. I love that hormones can we just like how many hormones are in the body can we just talk about that <laughs> uh you know i've never actually done a complete count because something like insulin is a hormone so there's yes. there's a there's a, a hormones there's like, different different or something. There's, yeah. like there's there's a lot and, and i want to say that because i think people still when they think hormones they think they think sex hormones sex. and menopause and that's all they talk about you know and they don't they don't talk about things like cortisol and insulin and all the other hormones in our body so and so you know, guess what your doctor also thinks that too unfortunately mm -hmm. uh you know when it comes to hormones they're going to be like hormones are like you're fine i'm like but hormones are not just that my ovaries stop producing estrogen and progesterone there yes. could still be a lot of other things Yes. Can we talk about hormone health then and how, how your hormones, and again, we, hormones being balanced are not a straight line or your hormones are always in flux and always ingesting. So that yeah. hormone balancing, I think is not the best term, but um, like, I mean, how would we even get into this? Because how would you know if you have all these different, different areas of different hormones, how would you even know that you had hormonal issues, I guess, to the point, again, if you're, if you're doing a program like this, your weight's not dropping, you're not seeing any non-scale victories, you're not feeling, I love your glasses, you're not feeling any better, it's like we're twins, right, we're glass twins, <laughs> you're not feeling any better, chances are, and you don't, you don't pick up on any inflammation or food sensitivities, or would, would hormones being off present like inflammation, this is all seeming like it's all big yeah. inflammation. Well there's actually a simple thing that I can kind of like walk people through here. Okay? okay. Just like inflammation, there are certain cardinal signs, 
questions for you to kind of keep your eye out for. So number one, if you are in one of those periods of time where hormones are transitioning in your life, for example, menopause is the obvious one, right? Yeah. So if you are starting to get irregular periods, if you're a mm -hmm. woman, then that is a sign that there's some hormonal analysis. If your doctor in the past said, you have PCOS, that yeah. is a sign that potentially you have uh, hormones. Same with things like endometriosis. Yes. Uh, if you have severe PMS, then you have a, a hormonal imbalance. So these okay. are easy signs when it comes to reproductive hormones. Okay. Now I will say a lot of women are on the birth control pill or they are on IUD. And so mm -hmm. this is a situation where you have synthetic external hormones coming in, they suppress your own hormones and they give a, a, an external hormone dose to regulate your peers. And there's a lot of reasons why women start birth control. And a lot of them can be to do with actually regulating your hormones. So think about that for a second. Yeah. Unfortunately, birth control is used in conventional medicine as often we don't know what's going on. So we're just going to give it to you just to regulate your hormones. And that mm -hmm. is kind of masking an underlying issue. Yeah. So think about that for a second. If we want to get to the root cause and level yeah. up, maybe that should be something to be considered. Yeah. But look at working with an MD to guide you through that process. That's not okay. something you just start doing yourself. Okay. Um, secondly, um, so that's the, those are the obvious ones when it comes to, you know, hormones, but there are also some other ones, uh, and they're a little bit more subtle, uh, women that feel like after they've given birth to their children, they just can't lose the baby weight. That could be a hormonal situation. Okay. So that's one thing that we have to consider that I see quite often. Mm -hmm. uh, sometimes people lose it just like that. And they look at their friend. They're like, they're so frustrated because they've lost it. And they're back to their form and you're not. So there might be some kind of hormonal issue going on there. Right. Other key signs after menstrual changes and, and those types of conditions. If you're always tired and no matter what you do in terms of sleep, in terms of on plan and nothing improves, if you're always fatigued, think hormones. hormones. That could be thyroid. That could be adrenals. If you feel like you uh, went through a period of high stress and you gain weight, especially around your waist, that tire area, that is potentially a cortisol-related situation. Mm. If you're waking up in the middle of the night, then that could also be a blood sugar and cortisol situation. If you fall asleep, fine, but your mind is racing and you can't get back to bed, these are things to consider. These are not diagnoses. These are patterns that you should just pay attention to that might give you kind of like a, a clue on where, where to go. Okay, next. Um, and then, you know, I, I would say to consider if your hair is falling out, that's another one that a lot of women talk about, um, yeah. potentially could be deficiency. So iron, but then also hormones. So thyroid, adrenals, those are a big ones. The big one with adrenals I talked about is sleep and fatigue. That's a really common one. And so those have to be tested. And finally, how do you test it? Yeah. Uh, if you're postmenopausal, there's no point of testing any of your reproductive hormones because you know that they're low. Okay. okay. So that's the first thing I'll, I'll tell you. Okay. okay. Um, there is some specialized testing that I use um, called urinary metabolites or salivary hormones that are a little bit more specific, Gina, than blood testing. Blood testing is kind of like the first step. Go get your blood testing done if you have any sort of issues or suspect hormones. Hopefully your doctor will help you with that. And then if you still feel like you have the symptoms of it, then you want to look at possibly working with a naturopathic doctor to do the urinary or salivary hormones because they're more nuanced and they're going to actually track you throughout the day because your cortisol, Gina, like you said, changes. Yeah. It should be high in the morning 
and low-ish in the afternoon and then low overnight. But a lot of people come in and they have low in the morning or it's flat all day. And so we look at curves and we see, you know what, we have to intervene in the morning. We have to give you specific things uh, at, in the afternoon, at night. And that is ultimately personalized medicine. So yeah. Yeah. Because you literally described everything that everybody has, like all the hormones stuff, yep. all of it. It's like the cortisol and the, the, you know what I mean? The thyroid, the iron, the, 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 the PMS, the menopause, all of it. I got all of it. I just checked, check, check. I just checked all the boxes. That's right. Yeah. And it, it, it does influence everything. Like a lot of times, even something, something as subtle as like, you know, I, I'm, I, my memory is not as good after I hit yes. menopause. That's because estrogen plays a big role in memory. You know, yes. Um, stress also plays a big role there. So, you know, I, I think hormones uh, are daunting to a lot of people, but yes, um, that's where I think getting the right support and help is very valuable for you. Yeah. So if you feel like any of the things that I mentioned really are things that you might be struggling with as an obstacle to weight loss, yes. hormones do play a role. Yes. Um, and, uh, you know, there are situations where we've t tested all the things we've talked about, Gina, and they still don't lose weight. So that is something that I, and I don't know if it's on your list, but I think it's worth talking about because what do you, what do we say to people that they've done all these things? They've tried everything. And you know, I, I kind of want to like pick your brain too, because I know I'm hearing it a lot with my patients. I'm sure there's people in the group that are listening to this right now. They're like, yeah, you know what? I worked with my doctor. I, they, they tested me for thyroid. It's normal. You know, what do I do next? Well, I, and listen, I'm going to be real straight honest here. Yeah, I I, I've, I've never met anyone that I can't help. And the, there is no science to say it's impossible for anyone to lose weight. Right. Now, all of these, all of these things, granted that we talked about inflammation, food sensitivities, gut dysbiosis, hormone health, absolutely have to be factored in. Yeah. Absolutely. But because you have health issues, the last thing you, your body wants to do is have a bunch of fat sticking around. Uh, the, the body storing excess fat, I think we can both agree, is not healthy for you. So these things are not going to stop you from losing weight, but they can definitely be frustrating AF and cause you to have to put a lot of extra time and energy into eventually reaching your weight loss goals. Because when I say helping the body focus on fat loss above all the other things, these are all the other things. So a lot of times it's figuring out what you need to do. Second of all, it's figuring out what you need to do long enough. Right. And then also circling back to uh, sometimes there's that psychology of effort and I, I'm not disregarding people having real health issues, but you know, when people are going and they get tested, sometimes it comes down to, well, I'm doing all the things. I'm like, I don't know how many times I've talked to people about they're doing, I'm doing all the things. And then I break it down. And I said, okay, how much you water are you drinking? Well, I'm drinking two liters. Okay. Well, you have a hundred pounds to lose. You're this tall. Like you, you're going to need more. I know, right. but it's, it's, it's more than I've ever drank before. And I'm working really hard at it. And you know, I'm trying really hard. Okay. But not drinking enough is not doing all the things. It's definitely attempting. It's trying. It's better than nothing. Do you know what I mean? Being consistent, showing up for themselves day after day after day. I think if I send someone to you and you did all the tests, I would bring it back and have a sit down conversation and say, yeah. okay, how many times, how many times a week are you exercising? Oh, well, I don't have a lot of time. I yeah. walk my dogs a couple yeah. times a week. Okay. So you're not moving your body. Not that you have to exercise, but you have to get that heart rate up. You, you've got to get your heart rate up. The body is meant to 
you got to move. You gotta you, move. You've got to move. So I appreciate you're doing as much as you can, but that night might not be as much as you need to reach the goals when you want to reach them. So I think people need to be really real about the, how they're showing up, how consistent they are, how, how they're actually doing these things, taking in their health, health issues into consideration. Like I'm very frank, there's no quick fix program for someone who's got inflammation. It might take them three months of a whole program and not see right. any weight loss. They might take them six months and not see any weight loss, but eventually they're going to get there. So to me, I think that it's it's time. And if you if you do all the tests and you've really done all the tests, because to your point, sometimes we go to the doctors and they're, they test your hormones and you're fine. But meanwhile, their cortisol levels are through the roof and they got all this stuff going on or, you know, or they have they they figure they have food sensitivity. So they cut gluten out for a week, you know, or, you know, you know, dairy out for a couple of days. And they're like, oh, I did that. I did that. I did that. Did, did yeah. you though? Did you do it for as long as you need? So I think that's I mean, I would love like I, I would love for there to be a better answer than this. And, you know, I'm definitely not the weight loss God. And, you know, but I, in my experience, yeah. I have worked with a lot of people and some people I've worked with for years to get like people who have had cancer. That's a big one. I remember working with a woman who had cancer and man, it took nine months just to get to her body to a place where it was even able to drop a pound because the inflammation and the stress in her body after all of that, like, you know, yeah. like to your point, And I, I, I know I'm really excited about this conversation right now. All those things that you mentioned about hormone i think like who doesn't have all of those who is a human being living in the world today and isn't dealing with all of those stressors and factors yep. and like with processed foods and abundance and stress levels through the roof and us not having enough time for ourselves like it's just like it's a lot you know yeah, i think you i think you hit it right there at the end uh again this is just based on the experience of people that have gone through the program and worked with you and worked with myself and we've done everything and I find almost always there is a massive stress background component that yes. they're just like, I, I, I can't, so I, you know, I've done all the things that I've done. I've, you know, done the additional testing. I've, I've taken the extra supplements. I've done the program three times, but then I'm like, you know, let's take a hard look at your life for a second. It's like, yeah. what, what else is happening in your life? Well, you know what? I have a really sick mother or, you know, and, and I'm like, you know what? We have to sometimes just be real about where we're at and, you know, unfortunately, uh, there's a lot of people that have over the years, Gina, they've neglected themselves yeah. to be perfectly frank. Yeah. And then now they're trying to make it all back in, you know, in a couple months, just in the, for the first time they've actually done something for themselves. I have this thing called mom syndrome that I tell people that, you know, where it's like, I've taken care of everybody else and I don't take care of myself. Yeah. Put up your hand metaphorically in your mind if that's you. I'm yeah. having a real hard time because um, I've gone through some stressful. I did some stuff with my kids. It was really stressful in the summer. That was normally my time off. And yeah. it was like an epic amount of stress. And so I didn't get that downtime. And I went on a great vacation with my mom. And, you know, it's my mom. And, you know, I want to make sure she's having a good time. And it was amazing. Don't get me wrong. But it wasn't like a lie on the beach, do nothing kind of thing. I came back and then my my cat was sick. My dog has cancer. You know, I'm, I'm juggling all this business, uh, business stuff. Yeah. And I love what I do. But, you know, even my tummy, like I was just like, why am I so bloated in my tummy? And yeah. I know it's stress. Yeah. Like yesterday I woke up, I had a massive headache. It's so much stress. I can feel the stress, but yeah. I want to be over it in a week. Like I want to just, so I started exercising. I'm drinking tea. I cut out coffee. I'm not drinking alcohol yeah. anymore. It's been a fucking couple weeks. When am I going to feel yeah. better, man? That's right. I know. Yeah. <laughs> I know. You're, you're out too, right? 
No, but the good news is, is that Gina, you've built a good foundation and base, like a good sign for that. I see with patients is that when they go through periods of stress, like you, that's unavoidable, Gina, it's life. Yeah. You have to go through that, but it's how resilient are you? And so if symptoms um, occur, but then you start noticing that, you know what, I, I've just made a couple of these tweaks. Like, I love that you said, you know what? I recognize I cut out alcohol. I did the same thing in, in November. I said, all of November, I'm not going to drink any alcohol yeah. because it's not that I'm a heavy drinker at all, but I'll have a glass no. of wine on the weekends. And I just want to clean up my backyard when yeah. I have extra stress. Like yeah. you know, my kids were all sick earlier this month. So I'm just going to eliminate yes. another stressor. So okay. yeah. it's like short-term sacrifice in the moment. But a lot of times people, Gina, they haven't done the baseline work that you've had. And so now they, they're kind of trying to navigate the stressful situations, but they still haven't got to the point that they fully healed themselves. So that yeah. now is a longer proposition. So a lot of times we have to really do some of that deeper self-work to address some of those um, held beliefs, uh, thought processes. That's mm -hmm. where resilience comes from. It's not, yeah. you know, resilience on a physical level is like moving your body and eating right. But that's like just a ticket to the dance. After yeah. that, you are going to need to do some of that heavier work with addressing that relationship that was, that was really stressful that's ongoing in your life. Okay. Well, that's an obstacle. We need to identify that. And what am I now going to do to level that up? Yes. Necessarily. So I, I know we're talking by a lot, a lot of hypotheticals, but I, I just, when I was reflecting on what I wanted to share with everybody today, and, and I'm really trying to pour all my experience with all the people that have made the effort to come and see me and work mm -hmm. with me, is that we have some amazing results. And I, I have to, you know, hand on my heart, I'll say that people have gone through the program and it's been life-changing for them because they've had incredible non-scale victories. They've got off medications, but there are some people, Gina, that still feel frustrated that they can't lose weight. And my message to them is don't give up hope yeah. and start looking at some of the maybe deeper mental, emotional stressors and things that are still present that we haven't fully let go. Do you know, I'm just having a minute where I'm thinking, I'm thinking it's all part of weight loss. This is weight loss. This is all part of it. Working through those beliefs, going to yeah. digging deeper, trying to figure out the time that it takes. Like weight loss is its own gut dysbiosis. Weight loss is its own inflammation. Like weight loss is its own thing. I think people look at weight loss as eat less, exercise more. It's this simple thing when it's very complex and weight loss encompasses yeah. all of the things that we talked about today. It's not just this thing that you do. It's all these things you need to do in order to weight loss is the end result of addressing. Yeah, exactly all it's, of these it's things not like i'm trying to heal a cut on your yes. hand or, yes. or even eczema where it's like one particular tissue is is affected weight is everywhere in your body yes. so it's kind of like i need to get my whole being healthy and that is physical that is emotional that could even be spiritual for you yeah so i i think we have to put that into perspective we are approaching weight loss in a very quick fixed way. And a lot of people have done that in the past where they're like, I want to go to Dr. Poon. I want to go to Bernstein. I want to go to all these places that it's one step forward and three steps back. But I think what you're trying to do and what I'm the message I'm trying to share with my patients is, you know, we have to now look at the harder two, three steps forward yeah. is going to be that we have to look at your health from a complete holistic perspective, not yeah. just quick fix.
yeah, if you yeah. want to lose weight fast, do keto, but then you're going to be back in my office in four months and you're 10 pounds heavier than you were when you started. Yeah, it's permanent fix. You know what I mean? Like we, we want to That's like, we don't, we want to, we want to, we want to address your hormones. We want to fix your, your gut. We want to, you know, decrease that inflammation. Like that's, that's all part of that. So that ongoing moving, you're talking, it's moving forward, yeah. not just like going back and dealing with the same old shit over and over. And it takes time and it, it takes energy and it takes effort way more than anyone wants to put into it, but it can be done. I think that's the thing. I, I just, that massive aha moment of like our whole conversation today, it is weight loss. It's, it's, it's addressing all of, if you address all of those things, do you know what I mean? And then show up and do all the other things, you know, eventually you are going together. I couldn't love this conversation, honestly, anymore. Look at me. I'm stressed out because we're out of time. I got so many <laughs> things I want to talk to you about. So many things I want to talk to you about. I got to go. I do want to, one quick thing um, is hair loss. Can we, cause you know, on this program, people are eating really healthy. They're, they're doing healthy things. Yeah. And yet this comes down to stress deficiencies. Just, just, I know it's a quick, quickly on this, but people are concerned about hair loss. Yeah. Like what's normal. What's not, when should they see yeah. a doctor? Yeah. I've worked with a lot of people that have been through the program and they're um, on weight loss, hair loss. It's something as simple as sometimes collagen helps, you know, that's the easy uh, one. Uh, when you're bumping up against resistance and the hair loss continues as, is this something that you've had for a long time? Mm -hmm. This might be an underlying hereditary issue. There, yeah. there are certain, uh, genetic predispositions, you know, look at your other, uh, relatives that are in your family, especially women. This mm -hmm. is really frustrating. So is, uh, was your mom had issues? What's the pattern of hair loss? Is it all okay. over? Is it since you started the program? Is it, uh, ever since I went through chemo, I have a patient like that, that now their hair mm. quality has changed. Okay. Uh, look at, you know, iron, look at thyroid, look at adrenals. And then the last category I'm going to say after kind of correcting those deficiencies is there are certain people, Gina, that go through the program that they don't have any of the issues I just mentioned, and they still lose hair generally all over. And I think this is a theory I have, but I think that has to do with the changes that they're doing, which are positive are still part of a detox process. I think yeah. that there is an excess oxidative stress that happens as it's eliminating and you're getting things out of your body. Again, this is a theory. Don't yeah. hold me to this. Yeah. But there are a certain subgroup of people in the hair loss category that don't fit any of the things I just mentioned. And they still have a little bit of a hair change during the program. And I suspect it has to do with just some of the just general changes that are happening yeah. and I might, it might be detox. So I don't know. That's just my theory, but there is um, a couple of people that just, they're like, yeah, I'm, I'm losing hair a little bit more than usual. Is that the same as like when people's cholesterol levels go up after they've lost the weight, like after they've lost a lot of weight, people's cholesterol, while they're yeah. doing it, can well, go that's down. They're eating more good fats. Like, I think that one's a very straightforward one. Cause you're, you know, we're saying let's do more olive oil. Let's do like MCT oil. Let's do coconut oil. Let's increase good fats and cut down on some of the more refined, uh, you know, starchier things. Yeah. And so I think that's just the substitution. Just, I want to say cholesterol is not the be all and end all when it comes to cardiovascular disease. So if you okay. are concerned about cardiovascular issues, uh, then work with your naturopathic doctor to do additional tests to give you a true perspective of your cardiovascular risk because cholesterol that goes from five to six is not worthy to put on uh, a statin medication. Okay. That is a common change. And a lot right. of that has to do with, you have to also look at other factors. So if cholesterol goes up, but then your triglycerides go down, that's normal because you're decreasing sugars and triglycerides are sensitive to insulin. Anyways, I'm going to start getting geeked out about biochem and stuff. So uh, yeah, no, I'm not going to go there, but but summary is that, yeah, the cholesterol is not real and all. If it goes up a little bit, that is something that is fairly normal.
Well, we could talk forever. And I know I've used up literally all of my time. I was like, Dr. Paul, man, 40, 45 minutes or maybe an hour. I'll see. Um, thanks to everyone who asked all the amazing questions. I hope that you found that as amazing and insightful as always as I do. I absolutely love you, Dr. Paul. Um, I know people are going to ask where to find you. They can find you over on Instagram. They can, they can, yep. where can they find you? Yeah, Instagram. Uh, you know, I, I there you you'll find all my contact information okay. there. Uh, you know, I'm sure people will ask. You know, where can I book an appointment? Um, you know, I'm very humbled by that. Thank you. Um, my one ask is, please, if you're serious about working with yeah. an athletic doctor, book an appointment. Not if you're like, oh, you know what, this would be a good idea. Yeah. Uh, there's a cost associated with it. Sometimes, uh, most of the time, it's covered by insurance. Um, but we really want to work with people that are serious about leveling up their health. So yeah. you can call my office. That's a much better way than booking online because yeah. booking online, you'll be looking at March uh, right now. So um, thank you so much, Gina, for having me. It's always humbling to be here and just really um, share what uh, uh, our experiences are with uh, thousands of people. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm thankful to be part of this uh, this fall program. No, thank you, honestly, for your time. We're in like 52 countries now. So not everyone's going to be able to book an appointment with Dr. Paul. Those of you who are lucky enough, seek the man out. But at the end of the day, this is just about really having this kind of conversation that's going to inform you of what might be going on and what your options are and what you can look into. So I hope that you guys um, gain some insight for this. Thanks as always for joining us. Uh, you, we will repost the segment in the guides. Also available on our podcast, Way In With Gina. Dr. Paul, thank you so much. Thanks everyone for joining. Have an amazing day. Bye. Take care everyone. Bye-bye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.